Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, the first of 2024, people. I hope everyone had an amazing New Year. John, welcome back to the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be back in the saddle. I have my microphone in front of me this time. If you listen to NMR from Thursday, uh, I was so out of practice recording with Darren for a couple of weeks that my microphone wasn't working. Well, you got a new job. You got a new apartment. I did. NMR to find out why John is in Pittsburgh. Uh, But that is where he currently lives is in Pittsburgh with a great Andy Warhol Museum. So that's right. I can't wait to go. I have not. Have you gone to it? I have. Oh, when did you go? Um, probably like four or five years ago. I was uh, going to Ohio. And uh, I remember it's not this that now. far from Pittsburgh, yeah. so yeah, yeah I went, we went there because it was kind of like something to do. Yeah, um, and it was really. I cool. live near it, actually. Oh, that's great! Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah. And there's like a hot dog store or something there that I remember. Oh, um, okay. I have to check that out. I'll have to look it up. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, but yeah. Guys, again, we thank you for a great 2023, and we are so yes. excited for 2024. We know that Gypsy Rose is free. She He's has free. documented her first selfie of freedom, essentially. You could hear it all about it on our recent NMR episode. We kind of dive into the implications a little bit of what that means. Just like a general conversation. But we obviously want to hear from you. Let us know if you guys think this is a good thing, a bad thing. If Nick John, <laughs> who's got sentenced with life without the possibility of parole, is a fair thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think there is an intellectual argument to kind of make on both sides of the aisle here with yeah. that. Um, I'd actually be curious to talk to a bunch of lawyers about it. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But uh, but yeah, a great conversation. And before we get into this week's case, I just want to say, John, thank you for always giving me the platform, but mm-hmm. my game show with our friend Darren is coming up January 18th in West Hollywood. A link of it is in our show notes. Please buy a ticket if you are in the area and want to see it. It's about 75 minutes. You can earn cash. Super fun. Just a really nice hour or so of your time. So wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to do that again. When was your last one? It's been a few years, hasn't oh, it? Oh God, yeah. 21? I want to say our last one was 2022. Two. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting. I wish I could be there, but unfortunately, I'll be in Pittsburgh. But Ugh. if you do more of them or you go on tour with it, come to Pittsburgh. You could do one right at the you know Andy it. Warhol Museum or something. Yeah, <laughs> something that would fun be- like that. That'd be cool. I'm not Beyonce, but yeah, we're yeah. getting there. Yeah, getting we're, there. we're working on it. We're not Taylor Swift yet, but you're working yeah, on it. We're working on it. Yeah. Um, Darren, let's get right into this week's episode. It's a very interesting one. It feels good to be back telling these true crime stories. I'm really excited about this. That it does. It's a, it's a recession-proof kind of business. So um, <laughs> well, in August of 1964, Patty Brightwell was born to parents Patsy and Billy Brightwell of San Antonio, Texas. Growing up, Patty was known as a good Christian who read her Bible daily. Just a good Christian Texas woman. There you go. She was also known to be a talented musician and singer who could play a number of instruments and often used her musical talents during church services. Can I just jump in really quickly? Were you in, were you, did you grow up religious? Like, did you go to church every Religious, Sunday? no. I mean, when I was really young, my mom You were like send... a choir boy or anything like that, altar boy or whatever it is? No, 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 never that. But we would go to like, um, what was it called? Like Bible camp? Is that what it's called? Church camp. I, you're asking the wrong <laughs> and it was, here. Yeah, right. And it was essentially like, you know, ch- child care at the church throughout the summer. But, you know, eventually, I don't know, my mom, I think, just kind of grew away from 
her kind of religious upbringing a little bit. And I was never religious. I mean, I have nothing against anyone that is religious or thinks anything, but I personally am just not religious. I would say I'm spiritual though. I think about like life, spirituality and things like that a lot, but I don't associate it with any particular religion. But the question I wanted to ask you was how, if you had to guess, how many instruments did I play in high school, Darren? Pop quiz, pop friendship quiz. And can you name even one? Can you name even one? Um, Didn't Um, you play like sax? No, no. Keep trying. Cello? I did play the cello. Okay. That's actually, I'm surprised you would get that. Hold on. Um, Hold on. Let me do a, can you hear that? Play it again. I played. I'm playing my board, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. Here's the ding. Boom! Barely hear it. Barely you barely hear it. hear it. That's so weird. Okay. Sometimes they hear, and sometimes they don't. Okay, cello, uh, piano. And no. Okay, these aren't working. I have to work on it. Um, no, not not the piano. Um, not the drums. I did play percussion instruments, yes. Okay, so percussion marimba. and cello. You played marimba. I love the marimba. Marimba, yeah, because I was the only percussionist who could read music. Okay, anyway, that's for another time. Uh, marimba, xylophone, timpani. I played the crash cymbals during mar- while we were marching in the marching band. Fine. The cello was my first and main instrument, and then I wanted to be in the band, so I learned how to do all that other stuff. And then in concert band, I played the bass clarinet which is kind of like a sax not quite the same but it was it was right up my mom's alley because my mom yeah my mom was a pianist and a violinist and what i didn't know that very amazing in fact i bought her a keyboard for christmas and we were playing Uh, all the different um you know how you can put it like you can play it like as a drum set or you can play it as like a bass or something like that so yeah excuse me so we were playing a lot of that. And she was like, I wonder if they have marimbas. I'm like, I'm sure they do. Cause we've always been a fan of marimba. my mom always wanted to play the harp. Uh, she's oh, really, beautiful. really good at instruments. Um, and so I hope wow. she's playing the keyboard listening to this right now, but yeah, she was super stoked about it. Do you know what instrument I played? Um, yes, you of course play the trumpet. And, and you of course played the, of course, of course, you played the. Of um, course, obviously, the, I played um, that. French obviously. horn. French horn. <laughs> you know what? I'm giving you just trumpet because trumpet really was like my main. I was going to say, I, but knew I played the, the piano. Was. I played the piano. Oh, you did play the piano. Okay, I didn't know that as well. No, well. No, yeah, I was going to uh, say, yeah. I, yeah. I played it. Um, okay. Well, now that we got all our childhood problems out of the way. And, and my mom, you know, she's solved now with that. Um, I love that. In fact, it just side note, we like came on like the weird sounds of the keyboard. Like when I got this, she was so excited that I got this for her. Aww. And we came up on like weird sounds. It could be like, you know, like beeps yeah. and boops. Yeah. And it had like a gun. And so she's like, if someone's robbing the house. And I kept thinking <laughs> just... of like home alone. If someone just being like shooting guns. Dun, dun, like, dun, get dun, out dun. of here. Yeah, like get out of here. So I was like, all right, that's cool. That's not uh, a bad idea, though, you know, d- to deter. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, Patty uh, played a lot of, you know, she's a good Christian yeah. woman. She's a talented musician. She played a lot of her instruments during church services. On May 18th, 1985, 20-year-old Patty married a man named Jerry R.J. Vaughn. Uh, well, I guess it is it R.J. or J.R.? Maybe we go J.R., J-R. yeah. I think it's J.R. I think I just inverted that because yeah. I have. Dyslexia. Okay. okay. JR worked as a construction supervisor while Patty was employed as a corporate secretary. 
Now, within their first few years of marriage, the couple moved all throughout the country for JR's career, living in Virginia, Georgia, Maine, much like you, John, traveling all the time for your career. I know. I kind of have moved a lot, haven't I, the last couple of years? Yeah, you and Magic Jr. You're a fifth. Magic is <laughs> Jr. Magic's my little JR. Okay, that's so, fair. I like that. During this time, the couple grew their family. Patty gave birth to three children and eventually made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom to care for them full time. Now, Patty's sister, Jeannie, recalls that her sister, quote, was the kind of mother who did everything for her children. We all know those. She made them clothes. She made curtains for the house. She did everything, even for me. She was like a second mom to me, end quote. I am so blown away. And granted, fathers do this too, but this usually is a mother's intuition yeah. and instinct i see it more with mothers than i do with men that's not a knock on men it's just behaviorally but like those mothers my mom's one of those too like she made all of our halloween costumes you i know, know i was like, gonna say you yeah. cook for that you do that like i'm just eternally you had a computer impressed. party you know i had a computer i'm just eternally impressed I am by too. um parents uh, or individuals that can really do this especially single parents like my mom was a single mother of three and now at my age i look back and i was like how? How on earth did we, how did you do this? You know, how and it's did like, you do it? I, you know, I was just talking to a friend recently. I'm like, you know, obviously times have changed as well. Inflation has really changed the game for a lot of us, you know, out there in the world. But, you know, I was like, I don't think I could, you know, financially want to take on being a father right now, let alone like I have magic and he's expensive enough. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. You know, I just really, my heart goes out to parents out there doing it because I know. Think of all the clothes you have to make magic. I know, right? And the curtains, you oh, know, curtains. for him to climb up because he does that, by the I way. I mean, I wouldn't even know the first thing. And I guess, you yeah. know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so if I maybe had to do it, like we all kind of, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, I'm eternally impressed by people who can give birth. And they're like, you just kind of do right. it. And I think that is <laughs> yeah. probably what it is. You know, yeah. you just kind of fucking do it. You just do so, it, yeah. <clears throat> Patty was 14 years older than Jeannie, so- that kind of makes sense that she'd be yeah. more of a mother figure, you know, described a mother daughter sort of bond between herself and her sister. She'd even moved in with Patty and Jr. for several years during high school, 14 years. I mean, being 14 and 28, that is a pretty significant, that is yeah. almost, you know, parentally, yeah. I, I can kind of see that. For sure. Now, finally, in December of 1990, Patty <laughs> and Jr. moved home to Texas, roughly 25 miles outside of San Antonio. But as a couple kind of settled down and got into themselves, their relationship grew increasingly tumultuous. And perhaps it was because they finally had time to like focus on their relationship when things settled down. They were doing so many things that then their relationship kind of took a turn. Kind <laughs> of like in the pandemic, right? Remember how like, I don't know it about made, you. It made or break couples. <laughs> it, it really it, did. It made or break them. And I'm sorry if you're one of those people that unfortunately went through something like that out there listening, but I just, I knew so many people that went through it. And I think yeah, when you settle down and you're you're thinking internally about your own life and your own work, future, like we all were doing there for several months in 2020, um, you know, but maybe well, that's I, a good I, thing. I mean, maybe that's a natural good thing that happens out of that, you know? I don't think it's always bad. I mean, it's yeah with the relationships in the pandemic. <clears throat> some of my friends who got together with their significant other during the pandemic, you know, and they were just like, oh, it's great. It's amazing. Like, we're going to move in. I was like, 
Maybe you should wait until it subsides. You want to see what they're like at a restaurant. And or what normal life. Yeah, totally. And normal life when we're not 100% yeah. remote. You know, like you got to <laughs> also wait for life to settle in too because that's important as well. And that's just good relationship advice. I'm telling you, Darren, we need to do a relationship advice podcast, I think, because we give a lot of it here on the show. But I'm not sure I'm the best one to be doing this. Well, but I guess, you know. You've, you know, you've had some relationship. You, I think you'd be great at it. You give great advice. Are you kidding? I think you'd be great at it. But anyway, that's, that's for funny. another time. Okay, so let's keep going here. So by the fall of 1996, 32-year-old Patty and JR had a gigantic blowout type of argument that resulted in JR moving out of his family home and into a nearby apartment in San Antonio. So in October of that year, the couple officially began a trial separation. And around this time, Patty confi- confided in her mother that she was afraid of her for her safety and was planning to actually seek legal protection against JR. That's big. Yeah, that's telling me. Considering they have children, that's a lot. Yeah, that's telling me that things are getting really intense. This isn't just simply, you know, arguments over the phone or or whatever. This is like intense enough that she needs legal action. Now, Patty, who had been a full-time stay-at-home mom to their three kids, who are, by the way, now aged nine, seven, and six, so rough time to go through this type of thing for the kids, um, returned to her former job as a secretary at an electric company. Now, she also reconnected with a former boyfriend named Gary, who was also recently divorced. And the two seemingly hit it off quickly. By the way, I've noticed myself in my own life that divorced people tend to connect and you know they've gone through something very specific and so that's not a big surprise here yeah and just a few that's months why i don't ever shame divorces like i i just i no. don't think that's a bad thing i think like okay you lived and you learned know. like oh my god yeah. also like just dispelling the idea of what successful is in relationships like i don't think successful is staying married for 45 years being miserable and with unhappy. two kids exactly. and unhappy like but i also think that it could be we had a great run of eight years and now it's done. Like, people you change, know, yeah, people yeah. change. Yeah. So it's just, I like to get out of that stigma. So I'm glad we're kind of talking about that. Yeah. And not to, you know, again, this can be for our relationship podcast, but um, I think the end goal, the end game, no matter who you are, should just be happiness. And if you're not yeah. happy with somebody, even if you love them, I don't know that you should stay in it, to be honest. I agree. Anyway, like I said, these two were hitting it off. And just a few months later, the new couple attended a Christmas Eve dinner with Patty's whole family, where Mm. she introduced Gary as her new boyfriend. So kind of relevant. We just had Christmas Eve for those who celebrate a few weeks ago. So we did. Yeah. Christmas Eve is always really fun in my family. But anyway, we'll move on from that. But anyway, by all accounts, Patty's family seemed to be in a festive mood that Christmas, despite the recent marital discord. Um, everyone was accepting and welcoming of Gary. I mean, you know, <clears throat> people bring in different boyfriends and girlfriends and situations to the holidays. And sounds like this family in particular were really happy to see Gary there. Well, A, if they had known about the abuse that was going on, but also, yeah. you know, so they're going to be supportive there. But also I think we forget that also families have to kind of mourn like the relationship that their kids had too. So like, cause parents get attached to their kids, significant others. Like I've talked to my parents about this kind of, and then that person becomes part of the family. And so even though, you know, parents are respectful of their kids, maybe switching up relationships, I still think you have to like allow for the parents to be like, Oh, now we have to get used to this now. Like, yeah, for sure. Give it time, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I would like for your parents to get attached to me. Okay, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, be nice my mom, I think, is thoroughly attached. I'm hoping that <laughs> that's dad true. is not 
do well, this because then it's like I got two kids now. I got to take care <laughs> of this or attach to John. It's a whole thing. Whole Michigan. I want to talk know? to your dad about BMWs and Teslas at some point. But well, we'll, we'll work on that for next year's Christmas Eve party or okay. something. All right. So, okay, Christmas Eve went really well here, but there was even a plan for Christmas Day. Patty and JR planned to spend the day with the children together at the family house, then drop the kids off with JR's sister in the evening while Patty and Gary went on a date. Hmm. However, when Christmas morning finally arrived, JR and Patty were unable to keep the peace and, according to JR, had a fight about the state of their marriage and whether or not it was appropriate for Patty to be dating. Gary. So JR's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, he's trying to get all up in their business when really he shouldn't be. But, you know, relationships are complicated. Who knows the exact details here of like what what exactly was going down? But this is what we know from the research. So throughout the day, a couple of Patty's family members visited the house to wish her and the children a very Merry Christmas. However, when they arrived, JR answered the door telling them that Patty was feeling unwell and was laying down in the bedroom. Mm, this is getting fishy quick. I know it's interesting because like, I've done that for significant others before. If my significant other wasn't feeling well, I've answered the door, I've told their parents, I've called their parents, you know, but like, you let's didn't have see a restraining all, order. Let's see, yeah, let's see how all this plays out. But I would also be like, well, come on in and I'll see if she's cool to like come down sure. and say hi, or you can come in the bedroom. Like, I have a feeling this is not going to play out that way. No, but. not if it's an episode of this podcast, no. No. Patty's 18-year-old sister, Jeannie, uh, 14 years younger than Patty at the time, uh, forever, uh, yeah. phoned to speak to the family. She later recalled that Patty, quote, sounded like she had been crying. She told me she and JR had gotten in an argument and he made her cry. But that wasn't unusual. He made her cry every holiday, end quote. Oh, and let's be frank, that's not really that unusual, period. I mean, it just in, ter- in terms of, especially if you're in an abusive relationship, that is often common during the holidays. Even if you're yeah, in a great true. relationship, that often happens. Yeah. So that's not an immediate red flag. But she also noticed that it was very unlike her sister to refuse to see her family members on Christmas, stating she would have gone to her room, fixed her makeup, and come back out and been a good hostess. That was who she was. Right. Quote. Now, behaviorally, this might be a red flag. Definitely. I mean, I think we would all know. You know, the nuances of whether or not somebody would be available for Christmas when stopping by their house. You know what I mean? Like, it's just very sus. You know, we ha- we haven't had a sussy radish moment in a while. This is definitely a sussy radish moment. It's a little sus for sure. Now, according to JR, now this is, it's so complicated. I mean, because there's your version of the truth, there's my version yeah. of the truth, and then there's the truth. Right. So everything's <laughs> right. a grain of salt. According to JR, he brought the children to visit JR's sister while their mother was still laying down in her room. Now, the kids remained with their aunt until the following day. Not overly weird. JR later told authorities that the situation between himself and Patty finally came to a head after the children were gone when, according to JR, Patty took her purse and keys and drove away in the family's 1991 Blue Dodge Caravan. Now, this would seem a little weird, according to JR, because on the one hand, she's kind of bedridden sick. But yeah, you're right. going to aggravate your partner so much that they get up out of their sickness, take their person keys, and then leave. I mean, uh, on the holidays, like you where look would like they a even fucking go? prick to me. I, that, yeah. That's just how I'm coming across. That doesn't yeah. make you a murderer, but it makes you a prick. Yeah, now, that's the, true. The, the last time Patty was reportedly seen alive was around 6:30 p.m. on Christmas Day as she stormed away. Hmm. And anytime I think about a Christmas, um, I know I think about Lacey Peterson. I yeah, definitely. Peterson yeah, baby. Now the following day, or John Benet Ramsey, you know, or yeah, it always fucking There's holidays. Something going man. on, yeah. 
Now, the following day on December 26th at around 1.30 p.m., Patty's boss happened to spot her car on the side of the road about 15 miles from her house and five miles from her job. They had passed the same spot earlier in their day but had not seen the car. What I know, my what I know, Andy's car, like I know the type, but what I know the plate, I mean, this either had to be like, maybe it had a sticker or something on it, you know, that was like identifiable because like, I'm not confident I'd be able to recognize. I was going to say like, is it a small town? I mean, they're outside of San Antonio, it sounds like, or in the San Antonio area. Yeah. I mean, that's still like a metropolitan area. That's kind of surprising. A little, a little yeah. bit, especially because it's 15 miles from her house. Yeah, I understand that's what if I mean. it's outside her house that. Yeah. But okay. Concerned her boss inspected the car upon realizing it belonged to Patty and noticed it had a flat tire. So they tried calling Patty with no success. This might make sense why she wasn't in the car, mm, flat tire, right. whatever. Now, next, they tried to contact JR, hoping to get a copy of the keys in order to move the car to a safer place. And as it happened, JR was on his way to file for divorce from Patty. He dropped mm-hmm. the keys off with the coworker on the way to file the divorce paperwork. And when JR was later questioned about the timing of the divorce filing, he informed law enforcement that he was hoping to use the filing as an ultimatum in the hopes Patty would agree to reconcile instead of splitting up for good. But why, JR? So stupid. Why I mean, are you so doing stupid. this? Yes, they yeah, are. And, I'm not, and, and I'm not sure it makes someone feel safer. No, um, fuck no, it doesn't. To be like, I'm going to divorce you unless you stay with me, that... I'm not not necessarily not a fan of ultimatums, but not in a threatening way. Uh, yeah, you like do that, that to me all the time. Like that's nothing new on this show. Yeah, give me you magic, know? or you're or I'm going to kill you. And that's just oh, something we say. Oh. That's just something we say. That's just something we say. It's just that's just a, it's an inside yeah. joke, guys. It's an inside joke. It's not it's not based on anything real. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an inside joke. It's, it's joke. an inside joke. Yeah, yeah. You guys wouldn't get it. You know. You yeah, you wouldn't get it. get it if you're not on the production meetings. So he's using this huge ultimatum. Now Patty's coworker drove the van to the office the two shared, and when Patty failed to show up for work, her family was contacted, and Patty was officially reported as a missing person. Yeah, there's too much like missing Patty going on at this stage, and now even her boss is connected with this. So. You know, I think you don't even have to be an expert to kind of see the common denominator at this point, which is, of course, JR. It's well, not looking great. No, it's definitely not. Well, the abandoned vehicle was law enforcement's first lead into what became of the young mom. When they searched the car, they discovered that the deflated tire hadn't even been punctured, but simply had the air let out of it. So it's not like it ran over a nail or hit, you know, hit a pothole. Someone unscrewed the cap and let the air come out of it, which is insane. Inside the vehicle, <clears throat> officers even found traces of blood, and it also appeared that the carpet had been recently shampooed. Now, even in, what is this, 85 or so, or 90s, I forget exactly what time we were talking about here. Um, yeah, I think it it's might, the 90s. So- nine day. Nine days, that's right, Thank the you. nine days. You're right, Darren. The nine days, You know, yes. that, you know... There's a certain time, you know, like, I don't know, what am I going to say, 1950s and before where like shampooed carpet, they weren't really looking for that type of stuff. But in the 90s, DNA type of stuff is coming along and forensic evidence has made leaps and bounds. So you're not going to be able to get away with shampooing blood out of a car. So that's what they were able to find. Inside the trunk, police found a bundle of clothing, including a red work jumpsuit with the initials J.M. written on the back. Hmm. Now, J.R. moved back into the marital home with the children the day after Christmas. On December 29th, investigators searched the family home where they found more traces of blood, 
later to be uh, later determined to be Patty's throughout the house, including the walls and floor of her bedroom, bathroom, and closet. The blood appeared to be swiped as though it had been cleaned up. You know, there's a mm. difference between blood splatter falling from a body and blood being smeared into a carpet, so to speak. Sure. A mop and bucket was also located inside of the garage containing traces of blood. So this is just getting, you know, you almost can't get away with it at this point. I mean, everything is pointing to what's going on here. So, of course, alarmed, police continued to search for the missing woman around her home and the area where her car had been left abandoned. However, they were unable to find any trace of her or any additional leads as to what might have happened to her. Investigators obviously questioned both JR and Gary about their whereabouts in the time leading up to Patty's disappearance. Gary was able to provide a solid alibi for Christmas Day and even passed, you know, these famous lie detector tests that they were giving to everybody in the 90s and, and around that time. So he was quickly ruled out as a suspect. Although Gary had met Patty's family the night before she vanished, vanished. Vanished, uh, Jeannie. Vanished White. <laughs> Vanished White. Jeannie was the first to admit, "quote We didn't really know him. We only got to know him while we were searching for Patty. He was out there searching with the rest of us, except Jr. He never came out to help look for his own wife." End quote. Also, I will say huh. another great example that I feel like I've learned over the years doing this show and working in true crime that. Typically, if the spouse or like close family member doesn't do any kind of searching for the missing person, they almost always seem connected to the case. Not always, of course. Well, yeah, I People mean, it's just a little bit like after Nicole Simpson was killed, you know, OJ was like out golfing with his buddies. Right. Didn't and look of, good. Didn't and, look good for a grieving husband to be doing that. Didn't look good. And to be clear, OJ was found not guilty, but... He was found out guilty, and I think there is a reasonable set of assumptions that we can make here that he is 100% guilty of this, even though by the court of law he is not. Right, um, right. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly. Got to just make that make that clear. Yes. So anyway, uh, JR also agreed to undergo questioning, and he denied having any idea what happened to Patty after she left the house on Christmas. However, unlike Gary... JR actually lawyered up early in the, in the investigation. Which, by the way, smart. I would do that it too. It is smart. I would do that too. Yeah. I would do that if too. I was Never innocent. talk to the fucking police about this shit till you have a lawyer. I'm telling you, I've talked about this before in this podcast. I, know, I was just going to say, yeah. Doesn't matter if you're innocent or guilty, always get a lawyer. Like, yeah. literally always get a lawyer. Yeah. And his new attorney strongly advised him, to Darren's point, to stop speaking to police, which is advice JR acted upon immediately, refusing to take a lie detector test. Or submit his DNA to be tested against the collected evidence. Hmm. I can understand like a lawyer advising against that, although it doesn't make it look good for you particularly. Though police were suspicious of JR, they were sussy, if you will, thought he was sussy. They had no evidence tying him to his wife's disappearance, nor any actual evidence that anything bad had actually befallen Patty at all. Remember, yes, there was blood. There was cleanup. That doesn't necessarily mean she was even murdered or that anything harmful even happened. You know, maybe she cut her. They don't have a body. They don't, yeah. they don't have a body. They have nothing. Without a body, it's super hard to determine yeah. kind of anything. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I said, she could have cut her finger cooking something for Christmas. Like it could have been a million different things, truthfully. But anyway, this did not stop Patty's family from accusing her estranged husband of having harmed her. So, yeah. 
All, all well, signs I mean, are pointing, f- but I, I get the emotional you yeah. want answers. And obviously this doesn't look good. He's refusing to do, he's refusing to help. You know, why wouldn't you want to be eliminated right. as a suspect? You know, so that's going to look fucking sussy. You know, that's just. That's a really good point. Take a drink so like f- I just did. In February of 1997, Patty's mom was arrested for allegedly breaking into JR's home <laughs> and assaulting him with wow. a baseball bat. Wow. she Talk about taking things into your own hands here. Now, she was charged with burglary of a habitation and assault with a deadly weapon, as she should have been. Uh, these charges against Patty rem- uh, Patsy remained pending for over 15 years. Wow. In May of 1997, investigators searched the construction site where JR recently worked, overseeing the pouring of a concrete foundation, but failed to turn up any new leads despite their use of ground-penetrating radar and sniffer dogs. We've seen this in some cases kind of yeah. being used before. Now, eventually, after months of searching, the search for Patty simply went cold, as investigators were completely unable to turn up any evidence or leads. Now, after the dust settled, J.R. moved his three children to Colorado and reportedly changed his name. Something a lot of innocent people tend to do, right? And wouldn't your kids be like, why are you changing your name? Yeah, yeah. Now, in 2005, J.R. petitioned the court to have his wife declared legally dead and received a payout from her life insurance policy. Mm, I wonder how you can do that without a body. Like, I wonder what, we should look this up, but like what the time period is in terms of her state. Does it have to be 10 years? Yeah, I'm curious. Now, in response, Patty's family filed a wrongful death suit lawsuit against Jr. The presiding judge declared that the life insurance payout would not go to Jr., but would instead be held in trust for Patty's children until they came of age. Wow. Smart. However, he did not rule that Jr. had any affiliation with her death or right. disappearance. So there's like, if I'm a family member, at least there's slight justice there, right? Because we know the kids yeah. are innocent, or we don't know that, but reasonable assumptions is the kids are innocent. So that at least they get some compensation from their mother, which I'm sure she would have wanted. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, And in 2006, it's amazing how long this has gone on. Patty's family held a memorial service for the 10th anniversary of her disappearance. Six years later in 2012, authorities conducted DNA testing on the blood found inside the abandoned Dodge caravan. And it turned out that there were two different blood samples inside the car, one belonging to Patty and the other one belonging to another unknown female. Hmm. Now, that certainly makes things interesting. A year later in 2013, the court dropped the charges against Patty's mom after realizing they had never moved forward with prosecuting her. Although the case has gone cold, authorities are still looking for Patty, and her family is still hopeful that they will one day know what fate befell her. Police still consider JR a person of interest, but have told the media, quote, we've always felt that there was somebody else involved given the distance from her home to where her van was abandoned. And they also commented that based on the more recent finding of the DNA in the car, quote, someone will have to explain why their DNA is in that vehicle, why their DNA is in that vehicle. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you maybe you put it into CODIS, hopefully they've thought about that by 2023, 2024, when this episode comes out. You know, the 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 female DNA is really interesting because if JR is involved, let's just say if, like I said, he does not have any connection to this. Right. Case. Why is that other person in the car? Why is why there another abandoned? Why is there more blood of other people in that car? That's the thing that's curious. Well, police have hinted to the press that they believe they know who the second blood sample belongs to, but they need probable cause to obtain a warrant to gather further evidence. 
well, why don't they just do what they did with all these other DNA cases and and follow somebody around and collect their discarded pizza plates? I mean, right. hello. Obviously. In 2019. Go to the kid's birthday party. You want me to do it? I'll do it. In uh, 2019, Jeannie spoke to the media, letting them know that Patty's children no longer have any contact with her side of the family. Oh. She commented that, quote, it's just devastating to lose my sister and to lose those children. They were like my siblings. We just want this nightmare to be over. And even more than justice, we just want to be able to lay Patty to rest. We want to be at peace, end quote. Of course, which is completely understandable. No no further details on exactly what's going on with the, with the children there, but it's interesting nonetheless. Wilson County police are still gathering any tips that anyone might have in relation to this case. And of course, to learn more uh, or to submit tips yourself online, you can visit the site that's in our show notes. I mean, you know, that's the thing about these podcasts and all the true crime television that Darren and I have been a part of is like, yeah, it's it's tough to walk back through these cases, but maybe just maybe somebody watching or listening has one little minute detail about where somebody was that day that can really be the missing puzzle piece. So, um, yeah, if you were in the area in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, check out that link in our show notes. And just a really sad case. I really hate cold cases. You know, I hate that we never really well, just quite the find satisfying. It out. I mean, thinking yeah. about everything that we know, having there be another female <clears throat> DNA in the car. I mean, I think I think it's easy for us to say, like, oh, my God, like, Jr. wasn't helping with any of the investigation. He moved. That doesn't make him look good. Like, all of that is true. But on the yeah. flip side of that. What if he was like heartbroken with Patty? What if, you know, he was using that as an ultimatum, which maybe wasn't the best, but okay, that doesn't make you a murderer. He wanted right. to put it all behind him or his kids, you know, thought Patty was abusive or thought this or thought that maybe he's trying to protect them. And so he yeah. is innocent until proven guilty. And I think right. we do have to kind of teach it as such. I don't want to imply anything different, but this is a super just unsatisfying case. Yeah, it is. And hopefully um, we find out what Patty, what happened to Patty at some point. I mean, obviously people know, just hopefully well, they're still knows. alive. Hopefully they're still alive and can and can maybe one day figure it out. But someone knows, that's for sure. Let us know what you thought about this week's case. Hit us up at Jay Thrasher at Carpe Darren. Hit us up on yeah. Patreon or hit us up in the Facebook group and let us know uh, what your thoughts are. Darren, let's get into some listener shout outs as we wrap up this week's episode. Why don't you take the first one? Yeah, Roxana, Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Roxana. Posted in our Facebook. It's finally here. Thank you, <laughs> Mom and Dad, for the beautiful gifts to your listeners. Cannot wait to hang up on my hang up my poster and rock my shirt. Sussy radish. Oh, emphasis <laughs> my own, but required. That's obviously. right. Thank you for that emphasis. Yes, Roxana was one of our Patreon subscribers that received our gifts over the last couple months. Um, we will be doing gift signups uh, very soon for 2023. Darren and I will be working on those in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout if you are a Patreon sussy radish. Mitz, who is also a Patreon subscriber, posted a link to an upcoming documentary, Darren, saying, Ooh. Oh, shit. Oh, I know this. I know what this. What we've been waiting for. And, of course, the documentary that she is talking about is Natalia Speaks, which is, of course, the follow-up to the, uh, what was the name of the original um the curious, oh, case the curious of case Natalia. of Natalia Grace. Grace. That's right. Which came out, uh, 
which came out last year now, um, that that documentary, Natalia Speaks, came out on January 1st, and we will be recapping it in a couple of weeks. We're going to do um, Love is One, and then we're going to do this, or maybe that. we'll order. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to talk about this. Because yeah, we have to. Curious Case of Natalia Grace was one of my favorite documentaries of this year. So definitely, I yeah. Definitely want to talk about that. Um, yeah. So thank you, Mitz, for yeah, reminding thanks, us. Mitz. And finally, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's a great way to get tons of bonus content. We have all kinds of goodies on there, including photos, polls, bonus episodes. If you can join our top tier as a Sussy Radish, you get this podcast episode ad-free and in video form. Check out patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed or click the link in the show notes. And as Darren mentioned, next week we will be recapping Love Has Won. With this is another Darren suggestion, you guys. It's on Ooh. Netflix. Go watch it if you want to follow along with our coverage, or if you like to hear the story recap, you don't even have to watch it. You can just listen to us recap it. I will say, Darren, after you mentioned you Love Has You should watch it though. After you mentioned Love Has Won, several people have been like, I'm sorry. I hope you're having a great holiday, but I need to know. Have you watched Love Has Won? Yep. Including my friend Brittany, who just finds it completely crazy. So go watch it if you want to follow along or, you know, just be aware that next week we will be doing a recap episode. That's so right. there you go. All right. We'll see you guys have a wonderful 2024. We're back to, we're so glad to be back and uh, yeah. Check your freshies as they I say. I was going to say, should we have a new sign off? But now nah, I like checking your brake pads without pants and you don't need a well, penis. We'll think well, about it. We'll workshop. Right. We're going to workshop some new ones for 24. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.